This is the Breaking Labels Podcast, and I'm Rosanna Gill. Each episode, we'll discuss labels that have confined the stories of my guests at one point or another and their journeys to thrive beyond them. Some labels are external, and others we put on ourselves as limiting beliefs. But regardless of where the label comes from, we're here to break it because we were meant for so much more. Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking Labels podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. And if it is not your first time, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Rosanna Gill, your host, and if you were not aware, the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So all of our conversations are going to be around mental health. Today's episode, we're going to talk about some topics, some of which could be controversial, some of which could also be triggering. So I do want to give you a heads up that we are going to talk about things like an attempted suicide, abortion, there's a we talk a lot about faith, but I am so incredibly grateful for my guest, Sarah Sharena, for going there on all of these topics. And this is actually only part one of my conversation with Sarah. And, you know, I think I said this last week when I was talking about the episode with Dee, but each conversation I've had, I am just so amazed by the power of human resilience, and the things that people overcome. If ever there were stories that serve as reminders to to always be cognizant that we never really know what someone is going through. You never know what battles they're fighting. And I feel like I've heard that before and sometimes it almost sounds a little cliche, but it is so, so true. It is not cliche. It's true. Because I knew Sarah, not when she was going through all of this, but a few years after. And I will tell you, we had some great little chats, but nothing ever touched any of this. And I never would have expected it. And I don't know that you look at somebody and expect them to have gone through certain experiences, but I do know we look at people and make a lot of assumptions about their lives and what it must be like and what it must look like. So Keep that in mind when you go into this conversation. Keep that in mind. And also, before we start, please remember that for the month of May, the only company I am shouting out spotlighting is D. So if you didn't listen to last week, episode 51 of the podcast where I interviewed D. Williams, the owner of D's Sweet Teas, and that is T as in t-shirt, not T as in the tea you drink. But please go and check out her website. I have a link to it in the show notes. Please support one, a small business owner, but two, an incredibly brave one who is vocal about her story and is sharing it to help others. So go check out her shirts. You know, you can order individual ones like the one that you'll see me wearing on my Instagram. I have a pink one and a blue one. They're really, really cute. I'll be shouting her out throughout this month. You can also buy shirts, let's say, for going on a girl's trip. Or you have a family reunion coming up because people are anxious to see each other after COVID or whatever the occasion may be, you could order those amazing t-shirts from Miss D. So go check out our website. Please support her. And with that, let's get into the conversation with lovely Sarah. 
Well, so before I officially, officially start. Yeah. How do you pronounce your last name? A white girl style. <laughs> what? <laughs> is Charina. That is very white girl. I, I got nothing. I, I, he says it and he adds, he rolls. He's, it's. it's okay. Like, so what, what is his background? He's Puerto Rican. Oh, Sherena. Okay. Just like that. Yes. <laughs> and, and I say, I try to say it and I say, I'll say Charina. And he's like, no, no, just say Charina. No. Like, babe, like you gotta help me out. Like, like this is my last name. <laughs> I gotta say it. Like, just say Charina. Just say, just say Charina. I'm like, okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna say Charina too, because I can only say the the Spanish pronunciation if I concentrate. So if I'm just speaking, like I'm gonna butcher it. If I <laughs> say it slowly, I can I can do the R, yeah. I can do all that stuff. But without that, I'm like Charina. Yeah. So totally. You say it. like me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just Charina. Yeah. Sarah Sharina. Yes. Okay. Fair. Yeah. So why don't we start with what labels you want to talk about? Or do you have any in mind? It's so funny. So I was thinking, I'm like, I listened to your podcast and I, 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 I've never thought about my story mm-hmm. and the label that might be what I'm breaking. From. You know what I'm saying? Like what mm-hmm. I'm from or what I broke through. I don't even know how to say that, but so I was talking to my husband and, oh. and I was like, oh, I said, babe, I don't know. And he said, well, think about your story, blah, 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 blah. And so I think maybe a good label would be sheltered mm. and confused because that is kind of what everything stemmed from. Mm. Okay. So those are like the root labels. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I should start or stop asking the label question right off the bat. Cause sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't. And just so you know, I think most people feel the exact same way, right? Like when push comes to shove to think of a like finite label is very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. But what I have noticed is over the course of the conversation, inevitably labels will kind of manifest like the, it'll become obvious over the course of the conversation. And sometimes the ones that we start out talking about are not the ones that we end up talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why I, when I asked you, should I prepare? I was thinking like, should I be thinking about this or should I just let it happen organically where, cause I've never talked with anybody about it. No one's ever like asked me questions. So I just don't know what's going to be said or how it's mm-hmm. going to, you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, well, let's, let's start with sheltered. So why do you feel like you were sheltered and how did that kind of show up for you? Probably, I would assume you probably dealt with that a lot in your twenties. Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in a pretty strict Christian home and I never felt like I was missing out, like I, 
I never felt like I was sheltered, honestly, Mm -hmm. because I really had a very full, active life. Um, But it was all in a certain realm. And, and honestly, I kind of thought like, looking back, I wouldn't change it. It, it's just, it's just who I am. It just is, it's just the way I was brought up. And so we just, everybody around us pretty much believed the same way. And we all were living the same way and, and on the same path. And so I was that girl that was like, I'm waiting till I'm married to have sex. I didn't hold hands till I was like 16 Oh, you were, Um, you were were serious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was just, I was the true love waits. I what I wanted my husband to be. And I don't know if you've heard of true love waits. No. Waits. I thought that was just like a saying. I didn't know that was, it was a a thing. Is it a. It's a thing. I don't know if it's still a thing, but it's basically uh, in, in a, Christian um, setting, it's basically where they kind of teach you like to wait to have sex till marriage. Like if someone really loves you, they will wait. Oh, um, okay. You know, they just teach you. It just is kind of. I think it's a great concept. So I'm not saying it in a bad way, but that was my life, mm-hmm. and I was very, I was very happy. And then I started working at a restaurant in high school. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was the um, I was too young to be a waitress, so I was the hostess. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I was like sixteen, and I remember just being like, "Oh my gosh, like what is going on?" You were out like, of your bubble. This was not, yeah. You know, I remember there was a bartender, and she was crazy, and I I was very um, naive. But like, I loved everybody and mm-hmm. I, I just thought she was great. You know? And she would just like dance on the tables and like, she was just crazy. And I was thinking like, wow, this is nuts. Like, you know what I mean? And <laughs> like, I could just imagine your head exploding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it was Ruby Tuesdays. It's not like <laughs> I was like, okay. So you, you weren't know. at Hooters. I wasn't at Hooters, although Hooters, it was at the Jacksonville Landing. Oh, so that was right around, like, wasn't that in the same area? It was right down the, the strip. <laughs> so we had to go get supplies. I remember we had, we would have to go down times and get supplies. And I remember walking in there and um, I was, I was looking around and I'm going, oh my goodness. <laughs> no, and I'm just like, whoa, like they don't have any clothes on hardly. <laughs> It's like we had like collared shirts and like black pants and you know so looking back there's just things that I wish I would have been prepared for mm-hmm. that I encountered and I would have taught a little bit more about that type of thing those type of, thing, of things that 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 happen so- outside of the box. Do you mean like in the way that people behaved or maybe the way yeah. people interacted with you or? Yeah. I mean, I think just like, you know, everyone doesn't go to Bible study three times a week and they're not in a choir practice like every other day and they don't 
go door to door. And, you know, not everybody believes in Jesus, you know, and there's people that don't even believe God exists. Now, I'm sure you knew of like that was a possibility in theory, but was that the first time you were actually around it? Yes. Okay. It was the first I went to a Christian school too. Oh, so you were in like, this was a complete, what is the word? Um, ecosystem. You were in complete everything. Yeah. 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 I mean, and even like my high school uh, was a big high school. Um, and there were things like looking back when I look back, I'm like, oh, that's what was going on. There were things happening in my high school, but I was so naive to anything. Yeah. You know, so in a way, it was great. Yeah. It really was because mm-hmm. I, like, I, was, I was so happy. Like n- nothing could mm-hmm. happen that could affect me because I was, I was just happy. Like it didn't matter. I, I didn't see, I didn't see bad anywhere, you know? And so um, I don't know that the solution would have been to be exposed to it, but like, there's got to be maybe there's some type of middle ground there well maybe even a conversation about like hey this is how we've raised you this is your faith and not necessarily this saying this is on your parents but like within the community right like this we are in this bubble we operate this way but you have to know that there are other people who don't and that when you are out in the world and you're not in this perfect little bubble the onus is going to be on you to maintain your beliefs, to maintain your standards, to not be impacted by what you see, because it's going to be very, what's the word? Tempting. Yeah. Tempting. I mean, that was, I think that was a big thing for me too in college. Like I was oblivious to, I didn't think people had parties at my high school. I didn't think people drank. I didn't know any of that happened. And then I go to college and lo and behold, later years find out everybody was going to parties. I just wasn't invited. I was like, Oh, Oh, that was happening. Oh, I guess it was a completely different experience for other people than it was for me. Yes, yes. But I, you know, I like what you said when you told, when you shared your story, I liked what you said about, it was good that you didn't get exposed to it. And I feel the same for me. Like, it was good that I did get exposed to it. I Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily know the reason, but I, I know there was a reason that I didn't get exposed to it, obviously. And yeah, so I think you're right. Like, I think, you know, there are reasons why our lives work out that the way they work out. So, um, so yeah, I mean, and my parents are amazing. I mean, to this day, I mean, I talk to my parents like almost, I call my mom almost every day. Okay. Like, she's amazing. My dad is awesome. And, you know, I love and embrace how I was raised. Mm-hmm. One, it is just my DNA. My faith is stronger than it's ever been because of what happened in my twenties. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now I have a little human mm-hmm. that I feel like if I had not gone through what I did, I would not be the mother that. Yep. So I think I guess I'm saying that to kind of go out there, like I'm not saying that, that I was sheltered and it was a bad thing. Right. It was, it's just a part of your story. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. So when did, I don't want to say when did you go from like sheltered to not like it, it's more than that. Right. But yeah. When did you decide or start realizing that there was another way to live beyond what you had been raised? So I think it was like, uh, it's, it's steps. Mm. It's like, everything is your destination is a path here. There's a path to it. So in high school, um, uh, my junior year, maybe, I think I met this guy and he was not the, he wasn't the guy sitting in the front row at church. Sitting in the back row he was still at youth group and and then that kind of led to like then I was kind of like I would maybe leave and go away during church like when my parents thought I was at church I, I would maybe go and like hang out with him and that was the beginning of it and he is an amazing person we just were very young mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was like oh my gosh like I in love like so in love so you that know? was your first love. and that was my first love Oof. yes so, yeah and that was um that was all new to me because we were like I remember being at this Christian camp and the lady literally we had a little like a little bible study or something and she was just like she said and i'll throw it out there that this that these types of camps and stuff it was like a very like i don't know it's independent baptist so it's okay kind of like you have like your southern baptist and then you have baptist have like independent baptist they were independent baptist and a lot of times they're really really strict okay like I actually um, did not know there are three different types of Baptists. Grew up in the South, did not know that. So that is, that's information to me. Wow. I don't know that there's necessarily officially, if it's official, but like, so like usually if somebody says they're Baptist, they're either Southern or they're independent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so. does independent tend to be more fundamentalist in, in style or, or, in belief, I guess. Yeah. And they're a little bit more, I don't know I can, I can put it as like a little bit more strict, mm-hmm. like, and because it's more like, you, and this is of course, it's so funny because I haven't talked about this in such a long time. And, but I feel like it's a little bit more as Christianity as a checklist First, mm. like, um, I have a relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. I, pray, I read my Bible. Um, I will mess up because I am human mm-hmm. and that is okay. God knows that I mess up. He has already forgiven me versus like, you didn't read your Bible today. Oh mm. man. Oh, and then you talked bad about somebody. Oh my goodness. You know what I mean? Like, yes. I, it's more of like a guilt driven mm-hmm. faith and okay now this is just my experience there could be completely different experiences for other people um I feel like a politician because I'm trying 
That's okay. I understand because you don't want to you don't want to be disrespectful to other people. Like if somebody's listening and they're an independent, and I I completely understand that because I do believe that you know like there are you know like that's just the way it was for where I was and the experiences that I had. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of told that sex was bad. Mm-hmm. But we were never told like the joys like God created sex for marriage. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. For two individuals to make a baby, they get to have. Yes, that was how sex was portrayed. So, I think that a lot because then you start experiencing it, right? And you're mm-hmm. like things, and you're like, "Why am I enjoying this?" Like, oh, and you there's shame. Oh, so much shame. Yes, because you you don't realize that even like the before you get to the sex, the fooling, you don't realize like how enjoyable all that's going to be. And it's like, well, how is something that feels so good so bad? Yes, yes. So, yeah. So that was the thing. And this this I was at this camp and this lady was literally like, I think she's so like she literally said cannot hold hands even because that will lead to sex. Like basically, like if you hold hands with somebody, you're going to end up having sex with them. And <laughs> And if you think about it, that is true in some degree. Yes, in some degree. In some degree. If you're with somebody that you, you're like and you're dating, you will start with holding hands, okay? Mm-hmm. You get into just be like, bam, you're like, now you're in the bed together, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's so, it's so dramatic and it's not fair to take it to that. So- no. I was going into with the physical thing I think I was scared and then when I started having like I started experiencing I'm like well this is great and then it kind of created this like shame which made me doubt things and then you just kind of just you know what I'm saying you just kind of like step away yeah because especially in your if you're in an environment where you're being told this is bad it doesn't make you want to admit it right like you are grappling with how you see yourself, how you feel other people are going to see, like it's so much. And it it, if anything, it makes you isolate. It does not make you want to share. It doesn't make you want, nothing comes to light. It's just, y- you, you kind of turn away and, and it go, everything becomes darkness. I know that sounds extreme, but I don't know how else to explain no, it. True. It's true. You, cause it's not an, it's not a really a, the, the environment wasn't so much, I'm not saying that going to say that there was people out there that wouldn't have those discussions with you, but it was pretty much like, don't do it. Yep. Like mm-hmm. no discussion, like don't do it wrong. Like, end of story. Yep. There wasn't like, well, you know, like, Hey, it's, it's going to feel pretty good. So mm-hmm. really careful, you know, or, you know, there wasn't even that type of approach. Um, so yeah, you know, it was just that path and to why was I told these things? Mm-hmm. Then you start questioning just, everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it's like um, uh, Josh, the, the recovering porn addict episodes. He mm-hmm. talks about that. He was like, he was raised in his family. It was like, if if you drink, you're like a disgusting drunkard. And then the first time he drinks, he's like, oh, I'm not like that at all. And he was like, it, now all of a sudden you have to question everything you've been told because you were, right. you believed one thing and now it's not that. And it's like, well, what else have I been told? That's not true. 
Right. What else right. have you exaggerated about? And then it kind of like, you want to find out. You don't want to tell anybody because you still know that people are going to say it's bad. But there's this, well, I didn't go to hell. I wasn't struck down by Jesus. And it felt good. So. Yeah. And it's interesting because it, it's taken me a while to figure that out. I mean, I'm not, I'm even within the last couple years to really like think all that through and like process it you know so it's a it's a lot to unpack and Mm -hmm. and how that can affect your psyche in terms of dealing with relation how it affects your relationships and how you see yourself Mm -hmm. and um so yeah you know it just it just took you there you know what impact did that have on your relationship with your, I'm assuming with your boyfriend? Did it? At that time. Okay. Like the boyfriend and. Mm-hmm. It was very, I would say explorative. Mm-hmm. Because we're both pretty naive to mm-hmm. so much. And um, he also was raised in a Christian home. And I think we were both just like, whoa okay and then of course and I do believe that I do believe that marriage is for sex 100% because the, the 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 spiritual connection and the emotional connection that you have with someone that you're intimate with mm-hmm. it can't be casual you mm-hmm. know it, it's like it's just too when you're truly giving yourself to someone you do become one in that mm-hmm. moment mm-hmm. and and so I, I do believe in the biblical stand, you know, I do 100%. That's just, I just didn't do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but we, it was explorative and, and we, and, and ultimately damaging to both of us because it was too much for us to understand. We were young and I think we just both, it's like our brains just went, <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I mean, it, there's also a lot of other things happening at that age too. You know, like your body's changing, you're mature. Like it's a, it's a form, it's your formative years. They call it that for a reason. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I was 19. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was 19. So, which, you know, you know, he was my first kiss. He was my first everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we, I think we dated on and off for, four years maybe time yeah it was a while and yeah I mean and and ultimately you know that ended but it was um yeah so that was kind of my first introduction to relationships so not like the best way to jump in the game you know (laughs) (laughs) so what came after that if that was if that's how we started out (laughs) yeah so that really propelled me into I think an unhealthy mindset of self and I'm going to do what I want. Okay. And that's when I got, I had been working at this, at the YMCA and they had a summer camp. And I mean, I was only 20, maybe, maybe 21. And it's, like those years are a blur just a, cause it was a long time ago and B cause I was just not in a healthy place. Mm-hmm. So I met this, it was, a, it was a residential summer camp. Mm-hmm. 
I lived out there and I met this guy and he was, I think he was 26, but (laughs) he was like, he was a rock climber. He had the little hemp necklace with like the baggies and he had a six pack and. Oh, throwback. I remember this. You remember the next look. Oh my gosh. Like I, I can see this guy. I don't have to know what he looks like. I can see him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and he was blonde. He had blonde hair. He was tan and, oh. and we just hit it off. And so you were done um, for. He proposed after like, oh, totally done. Totally oh. done. And he proposed after three months. So this was like whirlwind. We are in it, in it to win it. Yeah, exactly. Oof. And keep in mind, he's 26 years old. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, he's older. Like just you automatically think like the older guy, which in theory, like, I'm sorry if you're 26 and you're trying to date a 21 year old, come on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we got engaged and we, this is the funniest part. So we go to pick out the engagement ring, go to the store, pick out the diamond and he finds the ring. It was like, and it was like six grand. Okay. Ooh, that's a, that's a nice like, ring. He's like, do you like this ring? I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty. Like, I'm, and of course I'm just worship the ground. He walks ah. <laughs> and he's like, Hey, um, let's put it on your credit card and I'll make the payments. Sounds legit, right? Yeah, because he's he's supposed to be your husband. He's going to be your hubby. Your credit card is his credit card. He's going to pay it off. Oh, I know. I know you're 20 year old because I thought the same stuff. I would have done it too. I'd be like, okay, honey, take yeah. it. Take my card. I'm looking at, like, like while I'm looking at the ring on my finger, you know? So I was like, okay. So we put this on my credit card and he never made a payment. Oh, no, of course not. I mean, he, he didn't even but, make a first. He couldn't make, make one. No. And I was naive enough to be like, mm. so my parents are like, what is going on with you? Wow. <laughs> like, because I'm not home. So I'm just like, oh, okay. I'm living at this camp and it's all summer long. So after the three months, like I'm home and I'm like, I'm engaged. My dad's like, Uh, I need uh, to post a screenshot of your face right now because I feel like your face is every father's face. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I'm sorry, what? You're, I'm, you said something, but I know you didn't say you were engaged. What? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously you kind of know how that goes, but he, he didn't have a place to live. He didn't have (sighs) any. So, I mean, it was just, I mean, looking back, it's almost comical. No, it is there. Believe me, I'm laughing because some of the situations I look back on and I'm like, what? That wasn't even I, a red flag. Like it was a red banner. Just then I just ran like, right through like the, the finish line, like the ones that the, the, they run through, like the football teams, those giant banners. Yes. Mm-hmm. You just run straight on through it. Like, no, no. Happily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yes. And this is funny because like I, I haven't talked about this in so long, not to this 
degree. So it's like, I'm just laughing at myself because I'm like, what in the world? You know, we get engaged. He doesn't have a place to live. My my parents are like, what do you, what's going on? Mm-hmm. So we get a, we, he gets an apartment out at the beach and I get an apartment out at the beach. I can't remember the timing of everything, but that was, was the next summer we were engaged. Wedding was pretty much planned. Like I had the, I had the date, I had the dress, I had the bridesmaids dresses, I had everything. He had gone back to work the camp again. And I was working at a, like a car auto place, whatever. Mm-hmm. So this girl calls me that I know from out there. Uh-oh. And she's like, Hey, um, I don't want to like alarm you or anything, but like he's, uh, spending time with this girl and I'm like, Oh, it's probably nothing. <laughs> you you know, didn't even worry about it at first. No, I wasn't even worried. Well, about, I guess I've been like a month or two previous to that. I had found out that I was pregnant and this is where it gets kind of dramatic. And when I told him about it, he told me to get an abortion. Even though y'all were going to get married, like you were, you were already planning on getting married. Mm-hmm. And he said, we couldn't, we just couldn't do it that, you know, I, honestly, I don't remember. I just remember after I heard abortion, I think I just went autopilot emotionally. Mm-hmm. Like it's coming from my background and abortion was on the list of like, you just don't do that. Mm-hmm. Can I ask so- a quick question on that though? Yeah. Which was more difficult for you to be, to consider an abortion or to be pregnant out of wedlock? Because that is also something that comes with a lot of shame in, in Christian households, Christian communities. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a moment where you were like, which is worse? I think I was way past the caring about wedlock thing Mm -hmm. because I had just desensitized myself to the way I was living. Okay. That's fair. That makes sense. I'm doing this. This is what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, that's true. Whatever. You said you went through a period of self. So that's what this is. This is like the rebellious. I don't buy into that. I love yeah. him. We love. Yeah. So you, you'd already made your own piece to that to some extent. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's more like, you know, I love him and we're going to be married and then bam, like still was like, I love him. So mm-hmm. this is what he says to do, I guess I'm going to have to do it because we're going to be married and da, 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 da. it was horrible. Did you tell your family? I didn't tell anybody. So he was the only person who knew. And he wasn't even there for it. I like was, was just about to ask that. What is that? What is that? Mm-hmm. I, why did I know? Why did I know that this son of a gun, sorry, not, I didn't use the, I didn't use the other word, but is going to tell you to do that and then not come with you. Yeah. What, and it was so disheartening now looking back, because I'm a mother now, and was when I initially went, they couldn't do anything. It was too early. Oh. They had to actually wait and do, to do an ultrasound till they actually saw because when I first got the ultrasound, it, it was like, you're like little tiny, you know, to even see anything really like, just mm-hmm. like you peed and they have to wait 
to see the baby. So you go in and you get an ultrasound and they show you your baby. And I think like that haunts me to this day that I literally looked at my baby and was so blindsided and overwhelmed and, and scared and that I just said, okay, all right, fine. And so basically like, I, I can't tell you what they, t- what I took, but I took a pill and it was, I think I had to wait till I was eight weeks or 12 weeks pregnant, I believe. And it was the most painful thing. It, it comes close to childbirth. Really? It was horrible because we're literally, it, they were forcing the baby, the uterus, the baby out of the uterus. yeah so I mean and if you think about it's just horrible it's horrible but even if it wasn't painful the emotional pain of that is oh god I don't know what's worse yeah it was horrible and I you know like I had to call into work and be like hey because I just thought I honestly thought they said oh you're gonna be down for a a day it was like I was like yeah okay I didn't really buy into that and then it was like literally three days of just me just bleeding oh it was horrible. It was so painful. And I just laid in the bathroom and I just cried and cried and cried and cried. And I was just thinking, why am I doing this? Like, this is horrible. Why did I kill my baby? Like, and, and I, but I still had this like glimmer of hope of this relationship. And where was so, he, by the way? Like, what was the reason that he didn't come? He was working out at the same camp we had met. Okay. Um, and it was a residential camp. So like, you know, you, you stayed there the entire summer and you had, you know, either sometimes like kids would stay a couple weeks or sometimes you get new kids every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, he, I'm not excusing him, but like he was legitimately, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. So, you know, it was very, it was hard. Mm-hmm. It was hard. And I didn't, the shame of it isolated me because now looking back, I know I could have talked to, to my parents. I could have talked to somebody, but I felt like I was in so deep that I had to get myself out somehow. And obviously that does not work. Nope. Mm-mm. It's amazing what the isolation does not do for you. (laughs) And I say this, I, I, I want to, I, this is your story and I don't want to, I'm not, I don't want to like impose on it, but the reason that I knew he wasn't there is because I had a similar situation when I was 21. Mm -hmm. But what happened was I started seeing someone and went to get on birth control and went for a follow-up appointment like a week or two later. And they were like, you're pregnant. And I said, I'm sorry, what? They're like, you're pregnant. And I said, no, 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 no. That's why I'm on birth control. Cause I don't, I don't want to be pregnant. Like I had just graduated from college. I had gone home and, and had seen like people I grew up, you know, at the church with and they're like, Oh, we're so proud of you. And I was like, no, 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 this is not, this is not how this happens. I have taken precautions and not only that. So, and it was at the health department. They said, you're pregnant. And then also they're like, oh, and we think you have an STD. And I was like, I'm, this is a lot. This is a lot. I didn't, I just came for a checkup. Oh my so God. 
They tried to schedule the prenatal visit, all of this stuff. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. Like, I just thought I was coming for a checkup. How am I pregnant? Um, and, and so I, I called him and, you know, we talked about it and he said, you know, it's, it's your choice. I support you. But if you decide to get an abortion, I won't go with you. You're on your own. And it was like, but I'm not, I did, I didn't, I didn't do this myself. Like, well, yeah. what, what's going to happen? And, and what ended up happening actually was a week later and I prayed and I cried. It was the worst week of my life because I knew like that was something yeah. I, I know my parents would forgive me at some point, but I knew that it was, it would be so disappointing to them. And I just didn't, I didn't want that. I didn't want to disappoint them. So I was, I was very strongly considering, I think I would have, if I, what ended up happening was I went back for another appointment because they wanted to put me on, you know, schedule the prenatal appointments and all that. And, oh, I was going back for my STD results. That's why I had to go back. So I go back one, I don't have an STD. And two, I hadn't had any symptoms. So I said, you know, can you please give me another pregnancy test? Like, I don't, I don't have any symptoms. And the woman's like, I don't know why we would do that. It came out positive. I said, I know, but again, no symptoms. And the STD you thought I had, I don't. So, so they give me another test and I was not pregnant. Mm -hmm. It was a false positive. And I saw the doctor. And what I hadn't said is when I, when I got that test and when they told me that the doctor, this despicable man looked at me and like when he was giving me like the STD thing too. And he was like, well, this is pretty typical of women in your situation. And I, I, it was just like, Oh, like you're a dirty whore. Of course this is your, it was just, and I just, I was crying. Like it was a horrible experience. And then I, I am feeling the shame that I already feel internally from this man. And I remember Mm. when I got the negative Mm -hmm. and she was like, Oh, you're not pregnant. You want a bag of condoms? And I was like, I don't, I'm not terrible. I don't, I don't know. I don't want a bag. I don't want, I don't want anything right now. Like, and I remember looking at that man across the way when I was leaving and I just wanted to scream, like you ruined my life for the last week. Like I, I, I was an emotional wreck because of a woman, a a woman in my typical situation. Like you just dismissed me as a, woman as a person because you made all yeah. these assumptions in me that were not true but it, it it just again I isolated my roommate was the only my roommate and him were the only one that knew if I hadn't had a roommate she wouldn't have known I never I never would have told her it was just I was mm-hmm. I couldn't stop crying so I kind of had to tell her why yeah. mm-hmm. but I never had any intention of telling I um <laughs> yeah and and it's and it's hard because you need people in that moment mm-hmm. but you don't you don't want to face them. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the toughest situation to be in. And it I, is. and I always hate when people talk about abortion, like it's this easy choice. And it's like, do you know how alone, how lonely, like that is, that is not, it's not a frivolous decision. Yeah. And, and not even just that, like the impact afterwards, like, I mean, what was that like for you? Especially again, having to go through the actual experience but then the aftermath you're still alone Mm -hmm. yeah I think you I think God definitely had a hand in your um situation you know because it is definitely it's a life it's a life I mean and especially I believe that more now than I ever did because I have a son now Mm -hmm. and if that little time tiny thing turns out to be what is running around like a maniac 
in my house screaming, jumping on the couch. I just can't. You're right. It changed my life. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard. And, you know, I think because that really is what led to the aftermath, my ultimate like choice of I can't do this anymore. You How know? long did that happen? Um, after? Not long. It was not long. It might have been a couple months because basically what happened is I found out that the guy was cheating on me and was not only cheating on me, but was cheating on me with a, he slept with one sister and then decided he was going to sleep with an, the, the sister of the sister um, separately. And I was just like, what? <laughs> yeah. So you went to I summer put- camp and he slept with two sisters. Pretty much. Pretty much. And then he tried to tell me, like, the night, the night that everything happened, I was talking to him on the phone. And he called me and he said, um, hey, I'm in he says, some state, not Florida. And he said, I had to take this girl. I don't remember her name. She was literally getting married. He, t- he went away with her on her wedding day he left the state and he tried to tell me that was because like his her her future husband was abusive and like was gonna just like beat her and like whatever and she didn't know any other way to get away from him okay whatever dude what? yeah this is this is a lot it is a lot it is was yeah, she actually engaged was she supposed to actually get married or did he make that up no, I mean, from, um, from what I remember, because I did know a bunch of other people out there and they were calling me through the, throughout this time and telling me that he was like messing with these girls. She was actually getting married on that day. and He did leave with her. Oh, my Lanta. Yeah. And meanwhile, you're home going through mental anguish. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sure probably depression. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was the last straw for me. It was, I just remember feeling dead already. Like when he was telling me that I, I literally in my mind, I was like, I'm out. This is it. I'm I don't want to be here anymore. I can't Did deal you with feel this. Numb? I can't deal with. Oh yeah. Like it was just literally. Yeah. It was like, like when I say dead, I just mean like the light went out, like mm-hmm. lights. out. And in that moment, I literally made the decision to kill myself. And it wasn't like an emotional thing. It wasn't a, um, it was like a, the perfect storm of things and then that last, the last conversation, I told him, have a great life. I hung up the phone. For some reason, I was at my parents' house. I don't remember. Like, that, those years are so blurry. But I went inside. My dad was on a, a recliner. I gave him a kiss. I said, I love you. I don't know where my mom was. I went into the room I was staying and I had pain medicine from something. 
there was pain medicine in the house, like bot- like two bottles. And I just, as much as anything I could take, and I drank, I just drank some water and I laid down. And I was completely at peace with my decision. Like, I don't care what happens after this. I can't do this. I'm done. You know? Was So was there ever a point, like, when you're laying down that you were like, oh, no, what ha- What did I do? Or was it the entire time just you were no. resigned to it? It was, this is... Yeah, that's why I understand when people talk about suicide and they're like, oh, we just did coming. I get it. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's not this calculated thing. Sometimes it's just, it's one thing too much and it's the right day and the I'm over it. opportunity presents itself and you take it. Yeah, like I just, yeah. And, you know, and that's why it's so important to have conversations with people about how they're doing and just having just talking about life like the shallow conversations that we have with each other just don't fly like you have to talk to your friends you have to talk to your family and get uncomfortable with them in those moments not that people were not willing to do that with me I did not let them Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hit everything um and the next Go ahead. No, 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 please. Next. Well, you know, it's funny because I know I'm here for a reason because there's no way I should be here. I know how much stuff I took (laughs) and God woke me up. I woke up and I was um, vomiting and I was um, um, choking and um, I turned myself over. I fell off the bed. And I couldn't lift my head up. I couldn't move. I was just, I just remember like just throwing, just my, just throwing, just vomiting. And your body rejected it. <laughs> miracle. Mm-hmm. And I was like crawling. I was trying to crawl to the bathroom. And my parents, she had this little kind of walkway in my, so I get to the bathroom and I'm sure my parents were there before that, but I don't remember. And literally I was watching myself, my memories of how this happened was not in my body. I was not looking as from my body. I was looking from like outside my body, like almost, I was just hanging out out here. Like, and it sounds super dramatic, but it's true. Like this is my memories of it. And I look paramedics are running in and like my my um well before that even happened I my mom is on the phone and she's sobbing she's hysterical and she's like something's wrong with my daughter she took something and my dad is just looking at me and he's just got tears just streaming down his face so I haven't thought about it in a while take your time and it was just like so the impact of what I had done, you know, was like to make this man who's a Marine, I think I might have at that point seen him cry maybe once, maybe. (laughs) And um, it was powerful, but I was so drugged up and I was in and out of consciousness. I just remember them saying like, stay awake, slapping me in the face. 
and I, you know, got in the ambulance and I get to the hospital and, you know, they pump your stomach and, and I wish I could tell you that I wasn't depressed and that that was it. And that I, you know, yeah. like life was good. That's and not how it happens though. Yeah. That's not how it works. No. Um, because all the feelings that drove you to that were still there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it was, I was mad. I was mad that I didn't die. Oh. Honestly, I was mad. I was mad at God. I was mad that he didn't just let me come home because I truly believe I met the, I met the Lord when I was like nine and um, I knew I was going to go to heaven, you know, and I think like I was mad at him. I'm like, why would you bring me back here? Why are you going to make me go through this again? Can I ask you something that, and, and I hope you don't take offense to this, but how did you have that sense of knowing that you would go to heaven when a lot of Christians, they're not all, all but a, there are a lot of Christians who believe that if you commit suicide, you won't go to heaven. Yeah. So that's, um, that's, um, I think that's mostly, I think that's a Catholic thing. Okay. I wrong, but I think it's mostly Catholic. There might be other real like religions that believe that, but, um, i the Bible doesn't say anything about killing. Well, you will go to hell. It, it really doesn't. But but um, there's it's weird, and I guess it comes down to also your faith too, because like you can't. There's things about faith that when you have, when you have an, an intimate, powerful, supernatural experience with God, you cannot deny it. Now, does not mean that every day after that, you're going to be like, hallelujah, God is good. You know, like praise Jesus, you know, like that's not, you will struggle. You might struggle more because mm-hmm. Satan's going to be like, Hey, I'm going to come after you. You know yep. what I mean? I, yeah, um, I don't think that so, you stop struggling. Okay. I just think that like you struggle differently, right? Because the things that worked on you before yeah, don't. Yeah. So like you said, Satan will find new ways. Yeah, for sure. The Bible talks about he he's a roaring lion walking, walketh about seeking who he may devour. You know, if we actually lived our lives like that, we'd be like, ha, you know, yeah. You know, <laughs> just like, uh, um, we don't think of it like that. No, but it's true. And if you think about what we struggle with, a lot of it is like in our minds, it's, um, he comes at you in your, in your, in your thoughts, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, yeah. So yeah, that's a great, it didn't, I, you know, like I say that now I say that thinking back, I honestly didn't think about it at that, at that time. I just was like, I'm done over it. And I was mad at God because I didn't die. Mm-hmm. End of story. Like, I don't even think I put stock into the fact that I would have gone to heaven. I think I just was like. You wanted it done. You wanted it. Op- you wanted the pain to end. Yeah. Anything is better than this, you know, mm-hmm. and was, was what um, was where I was at. So if you come back next week, you will hear part two of Sarah's 
amazing story and what the journey back was like for her. If you know of somebody in your family or a friend who has gone through any of these experiences, please share this episode with them. Sarah and I touched on it a lot, but I don't know if you noticed the common theme of isolation throughout this. So if ever there was a time that we didn't just leave it as how are you, good, okay, but we really delved into what might be going on with the people we love around us, the ones that we see all the time, please make that your mission. And please share this episode. You just never know who you might be helping in doing so. And I am so incredibly grateful to Sarah for sharing her story because I know it's something that she could have kept to herself and never shared, but conversations will never progress if people aren't willing to be as brave as Sarah is. So, and the great first step is just opening the line of communications and letting someone know that you want to actually know how they're doing. So with that, thank you so much. I am grateful to you for being here and I will see you next week.